Welcome to Culture Wire, a program that focuses on the arts and culture scene in San Francisco. I'm your host, Meg Schiffler. Right now, I'm standing inside the San Francisco Arts Commission Gallery, where the exhibition Impossible is currently on view. Before I show you a few highlights from this exhibition, we're going to step outside and enjoy the spring weather. On this episode of Culture Wire, we'll visit the Embarcadero, where an eight-legged sculpture is preparing to crawl away. We'll also make a stop outside of City Hall to check out a new environmental artwork. It takes a lot of uh, imagination to uh, look at a space and try to decide what could go there, uh, how big it should be. Ago, Culture Wire looked at the new sculpture, The Language of the Birds, at the intersection of Columbus and Grant Avenues. The sculpture is one of many public artworks that have been added recently to the Civic Art Collection through the Arts Commission's Public Art Program. One of the first in the country, San Francisco's Public Art Program was established by City Ordinance in 1969. Through this program, the city has been able to incorporate works of art into a variety of public works projects, including parks, libraries, and in the case of the language of the birds, a new streetscape plaza. The public art program also enables the city to bring temporary works by world-renowned artists to San Francisco. Last summer, San Francisco joined the ranks of other leading cultural centers, such as Paris and New York with an exhibition of eight sculptures by internationally renowned artist Manolo Valdez at the Civic Center Plaza. And recently, a new temporary sculpture by local artist Tony Labatt was installed at Patricia's Green in Hayes Valley. Titled Big Piece 4, the steel sculpture was created specifically for the Arts Commission in commemoration of the 50th anniversary of the peace symbol's creation. Director of Cultural Affairs Louise Cancel spoke with Public Art Director Jill Manton about the Temporary Projects in Natural Settings Initiative. They also spoke about the installation of Louise Bourgeois' Crouching Spider and the value of bringing temporary works of art to the city. We're here at Puyo 14, right on the Embarcadero, where there's really an iconic view of San Francisco Bay. And since November of 2007, the world-renowned artist, Louise Bourgeois, has lent us one of her fabulous sculptures from the Spider series, Crouching Spider. In a couple of weeks, at the end of April, uh, this wonderful sculpture will be going away. And to sort of commemorate and understand what was the importance of, of this uh, sculpture in San Francisco, is Jill Manton, the Director of Public Art. So Jill, we're getting ready to say goodbye to Louise Bourgeois. I know, it breaks my heart. It's been one of my all-time favorite projects and a highlight of my public art career with the city. What has been the impact of, of the Crouching Spider on public art in San Francisco? I think it's been um, an incredible coup for the city. A lot of her work is very highly personal. Um, for instance, this spider uh, was made in homage to her mother. Um, Louise came from a family of tapestry um, weavers. They repaired antique, large-scale tapestries, 
and she thought of her mother as a spider, someone who um, protects its young, who weaves a nest to protect its young, and she was very, very devoted to, to her mother. And I think it's gotten the public excited about temporary public art. People pay attention to their environment, they wonder what's going to pop up where next. So it's, it's really been incredibly positive. The public art program has really, uh, its reputation has just spread, you know, in nationally and internationally. So what do you think is sort of been the effect or the, the utility of having a, a temporary public art program for you? I think with the temporary artwork, everyone is sort of willing to take a chance. It allows us to um, be a little more risky, look at works that are a little more experimental, a little more edgy, and often it represents less of an investment of public funds because we're not acquiring a work. We're um, often paying for just the transportation and installation of the work. So what, what, what do you think it has contributed to San Francisco, this 40-year-old program? Well, we've contributed more than a thousand artworks to the city. You can find artworks in practically every public facility. I, I jokingly say from A to Z, but from the airport to the zoo, you will find the mark of the Arts Commission. Um, the 2% for art program applies to practically every city department. There are some exemptions. And it's enabled us to really make artwork a part of your the daily fabric of life in the city. It's libraries, it's parks, it's courthouses. That's right. These are dedicated funds. It's 2% of the construction cost. It doesn't come out of any other social program. It's not competing with the health department for money. If we didn't spend the 2% for art, it would just be um, part of the architecture budget. Now, of course, we, we're here at the Embarcadero, but um, this, this program touches every neighborhood in the city. So right. what could be other examples of other neighborhoods? Recently, right before Thanksgiving, we made headlines in the Chronicle when we installed Language of the Birds, a very exciting, unusual, unique project by Brian Goggin and Dorka Keene at the intersection of Broadway and Columbus and North Beach. In conjunction with the recent um, reconstruction of the M-Line and the beautification of Ocean Avenue, we had a budget to commission artwork. We hired artist Laurel True, who created three large sun spheres made from beautiful um, golden-colored uh, ceramic tile, and they bring this beautiful radiant sunlight to Ocean Avenue. It's sort of a bright moment in the fog. One of the things that, that clearly is helps to make San Francisco a destination is its reputation as an art center. And how does the public art program contribute to that? Well, it contributes to the vibrancy of our city. It reflects our um, cultural heritage, our cultural diversity. It tells the story of our history of the city. We are, um, it enables us to create a cultural legacy for generations to come. The public art component is an absolutely vital and essential part of the city's art scene. And in addition, it really conveys an important message that providing public art, um, free, accessible public art 24-7 is an essential city service. Sadly, Louise Bourgeois' Crouching Spider has to stop spinning its magic at the end of April, so be sure to pay a visit before it crawls away forever. Tony Labatt's Big Piece 4 will continue to be the center of attention in Patricia's Green at least until the end of June. At the San Francisco Arts Commission's website, you can view a gallery of the city's public art collection. And we've made a Google map 
marking the most recent additions. One stop to mark on your map is the Civic Center Plaza. The branches of the sycamore trees are cut back every winter, and this year we had an opportunity to nest a new sculpture within the trees. Patrick Doherty used 18,000 pounds of willow branches to weave cones, twists, and bridges high above the plaza. As the sycamore's leaves return, the lush green will complement the willow branches and change the look of Patrick's sculpture, the upper crest. Sticks are lines with which to draw, and so there's a drawing quality to the surface that really carries the weight and the illusion of the pieces. In other words, uh, sticks are tapered, so if you organize the tapers in one direction, you have a kind of sense of movement as though you might strike a, the paper with one weight and then finish off with another. So this kind of mark making uh, is, and all the, the things you might know about drawing, you can apply to the surfaces of these pieces. As we started working, we started seeing that one tree couldn't bear the weight. We were going to have to go to two trees. We were going to have to have pieces twice as big as what we thought. So rather than being able to make 12 smaller pieces, we had to make six giant pieces. The trees are pilarded each December, and then they're bare for a certain amount of time, and then the limbs come back on. So one of the things that I wanted to do just generally would be to have something that protruded above uh, the, you know, these uh, limbs as they come back on in the spring. You've always got wind and weather. You'd have to build something that was structurally sound, a kind of a conical form. You get a lot of height out of it with very little weight. You know, it had been my hope that we would do this interview with you outside in the plaza so we could sort of scan the uh, you know, the work in progress, but uh, overall, how has been the experience of, of working in San Francisco been for you? Working in the weather is, is always interesting, and um, we've been in the rain for the last three days. We just kind of persevere. Uh, we want to get this piece made. We want to use everybody's best energy in, in getting it complete, so we've been out there and uh, eight hours a day with my four assistants and we've been just working hard, moving the scaffolding around, trying to keep the public safe and not drop anything on them. And um, it's been great. I've really enjoyed myself. How do you actually build one of these structures? Shaping those saplings into the forms that you want is a very physically demanding exercise, right? It's basically a layering process and I'll start out with a structural base. In this case, I took some really large saplings and I wove them into the trunk of the, uh, to the upper limbs, the basket of the sycamores. Not just the outer limbs, but the trunk of the tree because I want to carry all the weight down onto the trunk. And once I, I get a kind of a few structural pieces in there, I'll make a structural layer. And that means that I make sticks go all different directions. I get a shape that I like that's st structurally sound. Then I'll decide that I'm going to layer on top of that. I'm going to add an aesthetic, I'm really going to draw on top of that uh, structural base. So I start adding lines in certain ways that I think look good. And then finally, you go back and do fix-up, and it's kind of a racing. You take and put little sticks that don't seem to count very much on top of things you don't like, and you 
you basically cover the blemish. And so it's kind of a, a layering process all along and then a kind of a fix-up until you've got something that you really think that, uh, looks beautiful and fits its space and, and has the necessary scale to hold its own against the noise, against all the other activities there, um, and you know, against just the large amount of space that, that uh, constitutes the front of, of City Hall. Unlike most sculptors, who work in steel or metal or, or stone, uh, materials that have an opportunity and a tendency to last for centuries. You've made a very conscious decision to use, you know, very uh, organic material. And, and very often your sculptures are quite ephemeral. They, they, they have a very finite lifetime. Well, at most you get two years. Maybe I always say you get one good year, one pretty good year. And, uh, but I, uh, one of the advantages of having been willing to do temporary sculpture and give the space back is that you're I'm allowed to use many pivotal spaces that weren't really identified as for a sculpture to be placed in. Say someone's lobby, they can't have some, something that's going to last that long. They just need a temporary work. And so uh, over the years, I've been able to capitalize on all these great spaces, all these unlikely spaces. and. You know, it's made these great opportunities. It's great opportunities for me and and for me to participate in the world of ideas, but also to have an enormous interaction with the public and really find many starting points for my work in this conversation that's ensued by doing temporary work in public spaces. I always feel like a good sculpture is one that causes lots of personal associations in the viewer. And so we've been hearing about bird nests people have known. We hear about childhood play. We hear about indigenous tribes. Uh, you know, we get stopped and told about the favorite tree. <laughs> and uh, generally what it brings to mind is uh, how important parks are uh, to uh, an urban uh, dweller, how important it is to be able to go out and for just a minute be free and have sky to look at and have growing things to look at. As those, as the, the trees, the sycamores, you know, sort of begin to grow into this structure, um, it really will alter the whole look and feel of, of, of the site, won't it? It really will, and I like, I like temporary work in a way, uh, you have to enjoy it while it's there, but on the other hand, uh, the atmospherics that surround it, the winds, the, the changing light, the growth of the trees, they all change the feeling of the piece and, and they uh, build a kind of drama into the, uh, the time that you have it in that site, you know, the, the, your viewing time there. The upper crust is part of Mayor Newsom's plan to revitalize the public space in front of City Hall, featuring community festivals on weekends, new seating, and a coffee service during the week. The Civic Center is the perfect place to relax and enjoy the upper crust. To view more of Patrick's sculptures, visit stickwork.net. You'll find highlights from the past 25 years of Patrick's career. Here at the Arts Commission Gallery, the exhibition Impossible will be ending its run soon. Impossible features the work of eight Chinese artists who explore themes of absurdity in the new economy of China. Impossible's humor is slightly dark and oftentimes ironic. The artists have created absurd scenarios that confront aesthetic and conceptual sensibilities. 
Radical change has become an everyday experience in the urban areas of modern China. The artists of Impossible have created works that reconcile the past with the present and highlight the pace of contemporary life. May 8th was supposed to be the closing date for Bill Fontana's spectacular sound installation, Spiraling Echoes, at City Hall. We are very pleased to announce that the installation has been extended until mid-August. You now have more time to come and experience this remarkable artwork. Visit City Hall's rotunda and upper walkways between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. The San Francisco Arts Commission Gallery's Art at City Hall program will soon feature an exhibition entitled In Our Own Pictures and In Our Own Works, featuring artwork from the Sixth Street Photography Workshop and Central Hospitality House. This exhibition of over a hundred works of art will be installed on the ground floor of City Hall. The exhibition dates are April 24 through June 19 and we will host a public reception on April 29th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Join us for that. April 30th is the opening reception for Malik Seneferu's From the Hill. Malik's vibrant paintings and pastels will be on view at the Bayview Opera House during their May events. On the next episode of Culture Wire, we'll look at the Arts Commission Gallery's new exhibition, Trace Elements as well as two unique programs by some of the Arts Commission's local grantees. You can send us your arts events listings or tell us what you'd like to see on future shows by emailing us at the address culturewire at sfgov.org. Thank you for watching Culture Wire on SFGTV.